Let's turn begin with Luke chapter 10 as a starting point. There are certain things that are, as they say, afoot or in motion that <clears throat> many do not see. Uh, in particular, the world, we're going to look at that in a moment, but there are certain things that are hidden from the eye, hidden from view, and the Lord has ordained it that way so that only a certain heart will be able to move into certain places where the hidden becomes, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> where the hidden becomes seen. In Luke 10, verse 21, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seems, seemed good in your sight. So in this verse, you see that it is ordained by the Father to hide certain things from the wise and the prudent and to reveal them to certain heart conditions. And then Jesus says, the latter part of the verse, where he says, Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. So the Lord hiding certain things, Jesus says, in his sight, in the sight of the Father, it is good. Now, we would not normally think that. We want to reveal everything to everyone. We want everybody to see <coughs> see what we see. <coughs> you know, excuse me. We want everybody to see what we see, what we know, what we hear. And that's good. That's good. But not everybody will. <coughs> Now, the kingdom of God, as that relates to those who are presently moving in it, is hidden from the world. Uh, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So there is a certain quality in an individual. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. They're going to function in it. They're going to see it. But something has to occur within them. And then Jesus says, no, I think it's Paul says, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's not what you see in the physical. But it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. There's, there's things there that are not seen. The meat and drink is seen. But these other things are not seen. And he says, that's the kingdom of God. It's over here in another realm. So in... What we see, uh, for the most part, in this world, what Hollywood portrays on the big screen, uh, and what you see quite frequently uh, with TV, with um, reality TV, reality TV is not really reality. It's the reality of this world, but it's not the reality of the spirit. Uh, it takes the focus and puts it on what the world focuses upon, and that's this present time, this present life, what can be seen, what can be touched, what can be 
handled and, and heard and all that, all the senses. Now in 1 Corinthians, turn there, one verse. The focus mainly in Hollywood is, as you know, the rich, uh, the famous, the beautiful, what they think life is, how they portray that out from there. They define life for a lot of people. So when people, you know, see a beautiful or a handsome movie star and they, they examine their life and they see their life and they envy their life, the world portrays true life in that way. But the true life, that which is hidden, is not portrayed by the world because they do not see it, they do not understand it, they cannot function in it. Now in 1 Corinthians 7, and I want to read this from the New King James, I want to read it from two other translations, just part of the verse. Verse 31, and those who use this world as not misusing it, and this is what I want you to see, for the form, or as the King James says, that the fashion of this world is passing away. Uh, the Amplified says, for the outward form of this world, the outward form is passing away, and that's what people see. That's what people gravitate toward. That's what people move in their entire life toward that which is seen, the natural. Uh, the New Living Translation says, For this world as we know it will soon pass away. Will soon pass away. And I have one verse here from the Amplified. This is from Peter. What's actually two verses? It says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will vanish, they will pass away with a thunderous crash, and the material elements, that which everyone sees and relates to, the material elements of the universe will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and the works that, that are upon it will be burned up. And the King James says, uh, will melt with a fervent heat. Since all these things are thus in the process of being dissolved. What kind of person ought each of you to be in the meanwhile in consecrated and holy behavior and devout and godly qualities? So Peter says that that which we see in the world is going to be dissolved. It's in the process of that. You know, it's called you know, decay, actually. But there's going to be a, a heat, a fire that God is going to purge the earth with. He says, now, if we know that and we believe that, or if we believe what Paul says, that the fashion of this world is passing away, if we truly believe that in our heart, what type of person, what type of Christian should we be? That's the question. So the world... Turn to 2 Corinthians. Before we go back to the kingdom of God for a moment, in 2 Corinthians 4, in this verse, there are two things at work simultaneously, and that's the way it is with many verses in the Bible when, when you see something uh, that Paul says or Jesus says. 
in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, there's two things going on here. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So you have two things going on at the same time. It's the outward man is perishing. And those of you who are young, you don't really have a realization that your outward man is perishing. But wait 30 or 40 years, maybe not even that long, uh, and then you go out and you try to do some of the things you did when you were in your teens or your early 20s, and you find out that your outward man is perishing. You can't do and function as you did when you were younger. But I like what Paul says, that the inward man is being renewed day by day. So the renewing of the inward man is not necessarily related to age. A person can be young and not experience at, at that time the outward man perishing, but yet uh, having the inward man being renewed day by day. And the Lord will try to have that focus. He will bring that to your heart, even though you're young, to try to get you to focus your life in the correct way, in the right direction, so that your inward man is being renewed day by day by day by day as you continue in this life and you continue to grow older. Now in Jeremiah, you don't have to turn there. It says in Jeremiah 31, but this shall be the covenant, this is the Lord speaking, I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. The Lord, even though he cares about us, spirit, soul, and body, he does care about your body, but he focuses, rightly so, upon the inward man because the outward will perish, it's temporary, but the inward man is eternal. And so the Lord will show his love toward you, toward a Christian, by his concern for their inward man, the spirit man in them, and he will bring certain things uh, that we read about in the scriptures, trial and testing and trouble and all that, a lot of different things, to work upon the spirit man there, to renew that one day by day by day so that when the outward man perishes and goes into the grave, there the person, the, the real person, has uh, some value. Uh, there is an internal value there placed there by the Spirit of God. So the world for the most part, is unaware of the kingdom of God. They're unaware of the source of what they're seeing. So if you are moving in the will of God, for example, or we could say if you are, are walking, truly walking in the spirit, you are functioning in the kingdom of God, and you're moving under kingdom principles, you know, um, sow your life, he that loves his life, uh, he, uh, he that loves his life shall lose it. He that hates his life shall find it. That's a kingdom principle. So if you're functioning uh, in certain kingdom principles, in the kingdom of God, the world is not going to understand that. 
The world cannot see that. People will not be able to see you function or another person function in the kingdom of God. They, they don't, it's just beyond them. And they may see a person do a certain thing in the will of God, but they're not perceiving the kingdom of God. They're not perceiving the will of God, what that means. And as I said, the world does not understand the kingdom. Does not understand it at all. And the light, for example, may shine unto them. As Paul says. As Jesus says. The light shines unto them. But yet they don't recognize it as light. Ezekiel was a light to the, the nation of Judah. Jeremiah was a light, but they did not see that light, even though the light was shining bright. You know, they came against them. They, they said they were false prophets, and they listened to the false prophets, and they, they listened to darkness. And so the world just can't really function, can't get their hands or their minds around this kingdom thing because... It is ordained by God that it is hidden. So it's only going to be seen and revealed uh, and moved in by a certain heart condition. The world cannot function in that way. So in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, those who are perfect, the King James says, those who are mature, they're, they're growing, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. There you see the same thing. You have the uh, temporal, you have the eternal. You have that which is seen and that which is not seen. Verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. So there is something hidden and there is something going on. And Paul says here that it's for your glory. That is to say that the Lord is in the process with those Christians who want. And I want to stipulate those who want the glory, those who want Him, those who want to walk with Him in the places that they can glean the glory of God into their life. Those are the ones that the Lord will bring the glory to and will place the glory in them. So if a Christian is uninterested and they're not too concerned about anything but themselves and they're interested in going to church on Sunday morning and that's pretty much their Christianity. Oh, they may study the Bible, they may go to a Bible study, they may do certain things that you know, some Christians would think would be the norm. But if that's all that, that's going on in that life, if that's all they want, 
then they will lack the glory of God that he wants to put in them. It's just the way it is. I mean, it's not that the Lord doesn't want to put things in them. It's that they're not, you know, in a place to receive certain things. You know, it's just like a, a little child. A little child, you, you'd like to give them certain things, but, you know, because of where they are, you can't give them certain things. They can't handle it. They can't function it. They can't relate to it. It's just impossible without hurting the child. So he says here that we speak wisdom of, of the wisdom of God in the mystery, the hidden wisdom that God has hidden, and he's ordained it for your glory, verse 10. But God's, God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches, he searches, all things, yes, the deep things of God. So as I see that verse, the Spirit will search your heart. He'll look in your heart as an individual. And he will see what your capacity is what spiritually, where you are. Are you moving toward maturity? Have you a heart for, and a desire for the Lord? Are you serious about walking with the Lord? So he, he looks at all that. He looks at your spirit. He searches your spirit. And now he searches the treasure chest of God. He searches the deep things of God to see what he can take and what he can place in your life. Because he can't take and place certain things in certain people, even those who want him. It just takes certain things take time. And it takes the spirit over a period of time through certain circumstances, enlarging the heart to be able to take some of the deep things of God and place them in their heart. But the spirit of God searches. And I believe, it, it says that, it says, do not frustrate the spirit of God. There are Christians who frustrate the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God wants to place certain things in their heart. But because of the emphasis of their heart, of their life, you know, on this, going to do this or that or the other thing, whatever it may be, because of, of where they are, uh, because of their lack of development, because they're not interested, the Spirit of God gets, so to speak, frustrated where he can't do certain things with them. Have you ever, I don't know if some of you have ever tried discipling people. And, you know, you, the Lord gives you something for them. And you try to give it to them and you can't because there's no place in them to receive. And that's the same thing when, when Pastor Jim is here and he has something and, and he's trying to give. Did you ever see him work? Do you ever see the work that comes from behind the pulpit? Yeah. And he's working with the Spirit, and the Spirit's trying to place certain things in certain people or to get them to a place where the Spirit of God now can take something of, of the Father and place it in them. And that's quite a work you know, to, to expand. But see, that can't take place if the person is willing to go their own way and do their own thing. You know, I mean, coming to church is good. And coming to church can, 
set a tone to help a person receive. But, you know, I've seen many people come in here and they sit there and, you know, they have their heart, you know, it's almost like they build a wall and the spirit can't penetrate. So in Romans, it says, Paul says this, oh, <laughs> how can I say this in the way? He says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Saying that because he has experienced some of that rich, richness. You know, oh, oh, that, that the people would see it. Oh, that, that people would grab a hold of it. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. So there, there is a yearning there in the heart of Paul. Now let's go into Colossians. Just one verse, chapter 1. Colossians 1, 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of of the glory, you see that, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope of glory. And I like the one translation, New Living Translation says, the hope of sharing his glory. See, the hope that we would be able to share that glory. In other words, that, that the Lord could share that with us. We could share that with others. The glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, the Lord wants to place his glory within you. And listen to me what I'm saying. Listen to this. The world will deny you of what you can become in Christ. The world can deny you of what the Lord wants to make of you. If you, in your heart, desire the world. If you move in the flesh, you desire the fleshly things of this life then the world, the world system, the enemy of your soul, will succeed in denying you of the glory of God that he wants in your life. That's how important this is. That's why you hear these things when you come here. So that you can direct your life and your heart in the right way. Now, also, the kingdom of God can be hidden from Christians, as I said earlier, those who un are unconcerned, those who are uh, not, they're not surrendered to the Lord, those that don't have a desire for him, those that are entangled with this life, and this life is entangled in their heart. See, those will not see many of the things moving in the kingdom of God. Now, we looked at Luke I'll just say this. Let me just read it. Mm. No, I think we'll skip it because we don't have time. But the context of the scripture that we looked up in the very beginning where Jesus said that, um, I thank you, Father, you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent 
and have revealed them into babes. The context of that is sending the 70 out and they come back. And when they come back, they're saying that, you know, the devils were subject to us and this happened and that happened. The Lord sent them out and they moved in his name <clears throat> to give them a glimpse of the kingdom, functioning in the kingdom. But there are those Christians that are not concerned about the Lord as far as a relationship with him, enhancing that relationship with him. They're more interested in you know, going on vacation or going to some uh, tropical island. You know, it's, it's really funny because whenever you, you look at the scriptures and everybody is so concerned, they want to always go and be on a beach and go in the water or be at the ocean and see the water. And I mean, that's nice at times. But you realize that there's coming a time where the Lord's going to get rid of the water. He's not going to be around it all the time, forever. And those who love to bathe in the sun, in Revelation, says there's not going to be need for the sun. For the glory of God will light the city. Something different, something more powerful. So those things, even in the natural, that men gravitate toward, that's a strong pull on a lot of people, God says, that's not going to be around. So don't, don't focus your life on that. You can enjoy it, but don't focus your life there. This is in Psalm. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians. The secret of the Lord, David says, the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. He's going to reveal certain things to those ones. Those that fear him. And then David says, next verse, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. Now, in 2 Corinthians 11, Verse 2, Paul says this related to the Corinthian church. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So Paul had this upon his heart. And you'll see this with John. John had, when you read the first chapter of the epistle of John, the same thing is there, but it's hidden in, in the verses. People don't really see it. So he says, Then I may present you, possibly, as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, chaste here means clean. It means without blemish. And you can look this up. Um, Thayer's definition is the one I like. It defines the word chaste as being pure from carnality. Pure from carnality. So Paul is wanting to, and he says this early on in the epistle, that I wanted to show you certain things that I couldn't because you're carnal. So in order to have certain things taken out, or in order for the Lord to bring certain things in, uh, and, and bring that which is hidden to the church. They must leave their carnality. Those who function in their carnality will not function in the kingdom of God. They will not see the kingdom for the most part. 
and they won't see certain things that are hidden that are necessary. They won't see it. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 5. There are certain things that are hidden. There are certain things that are secret that many are not aware of. There is something moving now in spirit that many Christians, Christians do not see, do not perceive, and are not involved in to their own detriment. So the status quo of many Christians in a lot of churches, uh, probably, I don't want to say mainly, there's various reasons, but one of the reasons is the lack of sound teaching. Not necessarily that they're not hearing certain things from the Bible. But the emphasis, you know, coming from the pulpit is different. So if, if the emphasis that is brought out by a pastor, teacher, you know, a leader, whoever, is not moving a certain way to bring that which is hidden to the people so that, so that there is the possibility of a, the opening of the heart, the opening of the life, to press into certain things, then for the most part, that group of people will find a different emphasis, a, a different focus of their heart, a different focus in Christianity. Now in Ephesians 5, now we, we've heard this verse, I don't know how many times, but we're going to look at it again. Chapter 5, verse 26. That he, Jesus, might sanctify and cleanse her. Her meaning the church. Her meaning those who are desirous of the marriage. Not with their minds, not with their head shaking and acknowledging it, but with their life, living a certain way that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So there, there is the word that comes forth to the Christian. And it is to do something in them, to wash them, to sanctify them, set them, set them apart. Verse 27, that he, Jesus, might present her, those who, who want him, those who are moving a certain way, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. And you cannot be a glorious church without the glory of God in you. You cannot. It doesn't mean anything related to church attendance, Bible reading, accepting Jesus, no, the glory must be in the individual. 
But he's coming back for a glorious church. Having a glory in them. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be, should be, holy and without blemish. Holy. It's talking about the manner of living. So what is taking place in spirit that I said that is hidden and many do not see it is that there is a romance going on today. And there we can call it a divine romance that the Lord is involved with, with those who desire him. And those who allow him to order their steps aright. And this divine romance is hidden to most. They, they think it's religion. They think it's church. They think it's all these things that people think that Christianity is. But the true romance will be entered into by the individual who is, has a heart that is going out to the Lord and things are right in their life. They're obedient and all these different things are fitting in and they're moving with the Lord and he is beginning to show them the hidden manna. Now that which is hidden, they're starting to see. And they enter into the romance now, here, in this life, that will prepare them for the marriage, the consummation of the marriage later. So this is a very important time. And your relationship with the Lord, uh, as it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because we can miss it. Because we can walk in this life, we can receive Christ as our Savior, and yet miss being involved with this romance because other things interfere and we allow them. So either you are in the romance with the Lord or you're not. It's not about you coming to church all the time. It's beyond that. It's not about you being a good person. It's beyond that. Philippians chapter 2. Let me read a couple verses, uh, verses from Colossians. In the body of his flesh through death, he, he, Jesus did that uh, to reconcile, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If, big word, if, indeed, you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, 
which was preached to every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, became a minister, and so on. So once again, you see this blameless thing there. And so that you, you're not blamed for what? Well, various things, but that you are not, not blamed for not moving in relationship with him. Philippians 2, 1 if there is, excuse me, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, fellowship of the Spirit. See, do you, do you move in that? Do I move in that? So when the Spirit of God shows you something or shows you a direction, do you move with him, the fellowship of the Spirit, or with the Spirit? Well, see, that's going to be key. That's why you see in Galatians 5, Paul says, walk in the Spirit. That, that walk is in the command form for your benefit. See, walking in the Spirit is different than coming to church. It's different than reading your Bible. It's different than accepting Jesus. Walking in the Spirit now means that you are following Him. He shows you the direction, and you follow along with Him. That's the only way that you are going to glean what you need to glean in this divine romance. If you are going to act, I'm going to act and do things my own way all the time, then I push Jesus to the side, and I am taking over my life, and I am making all the decisions, and I am deciding the direction, and then I, I'm not involved with this divine romance now. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? I'm not involved with that, because I'm not involved with Jesus in that. Verse uh, 2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Verse 3, Basically, he says, stay low in your heart. He that exalts himself shall be humbled. He that humbles himself shall be exalted. What we're to do is, is take the low place, be in the humble place. Why? Why do you think some of these things are in the Bible? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why? Because he doesn't want you to not be humble? Well, see... That's the directive. Um, the end of the commandment is love of a pure heart. The end of that word means the message. The end of the word, the communication from, from you, from the Father to you, from Jesus to you. The end of the communication is love or dedication. See, he wants us to be dedicated to him. If we're not dedicated to him, then we can't be involved in this romance that's going on that a lot of people don't see. I'm, Christians I'm talking about. Christians. The Lord wants you and I involved in the romance. Now, some of you that are married, you went through a time with your husband and wife where there was a romance, I mean, to, to some degree, what did you do? You spent time with one another. You wanted to be around your husband. You wanted to be around your wife. You know, you wanted to go out to eat and sit there and just 
look across the table and said to yourself, wow, I can't wait till I marry him or her. It's a romance. It takes effort. It takes a certain vision. And have you ever seen, uh, some of you older people have seen this, you know, you're, you're somewhere, and two people are there, and you can just see one person looking at another, and you know there's something there. You know there's something there. I remember years ago when we were building a little side shed on our house, and Jim and I, and uh, we were up on the, the shed, and Wendy came up on the ladder with a glass of water, and I glanced over, and I saw it. <laughs> I saw it was there. And I told Linda, I said, there's something there. I says, we're going to watch this. But, it, you know, it can be seen to the trained eye. The hidden things of God can be seen to the trained eye. And so, you know, do I want a romance with Jesus? Well, if I want to be part of the bride of Christ, if I want to be presented to Jesus, then that's for me now. Not later. Not when you die and go to heaven. You be involved in a romance here now today. Continually. Now turn to, in closing, to 1 John. You know, we just went to a wedding last Saturday. And you know how it is to... There's the bride in the back, church, you know, with the father. And you know how they walk down the aisle and they play the music. What are they, what, what are they doing? What's the bride doing from the back of the church to get, how does she get to the front of the church? Huh? She walks. So. You and I, if we walk in the Spirit, that will propel us to the marriage. It will. In 1 John, chapter 1, verse 3. Now, now John has seen something. I wish I had more time. I'd like to just stay here for a while. But I'll just go over real quick. He has seen something. He says um, in verse 1, that which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you for the reason that you also might have fellowship with us. I'll come back to this. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So he says, that which we have seen, we, we've heard, we declare to you that you may have fellowship. That is in the Greek, koinonia. That, that word, fellowship. And it, it has various meanings. One is participation. Participating in this relationship. Um, it means communion. That which is shared an association involving close mutual relationship and involvement. And it carries this idea of intimacy. 
So he says, the reason we've seen this, we're moving in this, we're functioning in this, and the reason why we're declaring it to you is that you also possibly, that you may have this intimacy with us because our intimacy is with Jesus. You see that? You see the, the heart of, of John. The same thing you see in uh, Ephesians, we read, Ephesians 5, 26 says, about presenting it, Jesus presenting the bride to himself, the church to himself. Same thing. Verse 6. Verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So John is saying, including himself, that a Christian can walk in darkness. I mean, you don't have to, but it's possible. So he says, if you, if you um, walk in darkness, you don't have this fellowship, this intimacy with the Lord. It's just, you know, it's just the way it is. It's not on the Lord's part that he doesn't want to be intimate with you. It's not that the Lord uh, doesn't want to give you certain things. It's that, you know, we must leave sin. We must leave darkness, and we must follow on to know the Lord. Uh, we must uh, decide in our heart that we want him, and we must move in our life to obtain the promise, to obtain that which the Lord has for us. But if we walk in the light, verse 7, as he is in the light, or as we see him in the light, we have this fellowship, we have this intimacy with him, we have, a with, we have this fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us, it keeps on cleansing us from sin. So there is today a very, very, very important thing taking place. Very important. And that is this divine romance that is going on, and it's, it's, not, it's not related to one denomination, one church. It is individual. So you can have a hundred churches, and some in the church will be involved in this romance, others will not. You go to another church, none of them may be involved with, with the Lord that way, with this personal way. And you go to another church, and there may, there may be a lot that are there. But my prayer today is that every single person in this church would desire the Lord and would desire to move into this relationship if you're not. If you are, keep on moving on. Keep on plodding on. You know, keep on allowing the Lord his way in your life. Keep on moving with him. Keep on walking with him. Keep, keep on uh, bringing him flowers. You know, there's a verse in, in uh, is it Isaiah? Where God kind of complains a little bit. He says, well, he says, you've brought me no sweet cane. You know what sweet cane is? It's just something that's, that's sweet to his taste. And you know what, know what that's to be? Your life. My life. 
you have not brought me yourself, the sweet cane of your life. Okay. And, and that's what he wants. He doesn't want everything that we can possibly do for him because, you know, we're all limited at what we can do for the Lord, if you know what I'm saying, in this life. I mean, not all of us can go all over the world and preach or whatever. So we're limited. But we can bring him our, our life, ourselves, and present that to him. So I want to encourage you today to get in the romance. You know, that's what the word, and we'll stop with this, that's what the word um, phileo is. You have agape, and agape fosters phileo, and a phileo is the um, reciprocal love. See, that's the relationship. That's the romance. Not, not like, you know, the wife is always, or, the, or the, the girlfriend's always doing things for her boyfriend, and he never pays attention to, he never does anything for you. Know. That would get old real quick, wouldn't it, girls? Real quick. There, there must be, for the relationship to develop, to mature, uh, to be what it is to be, all the, the potential there, there must be a reciprocal thing, back and forth, back and forth, and that is the relationship uh, with the Lord. He, the Lord says to Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? That, you know, Peter says, yes, I phileo you. He says, and then he keeps on asking him. He says, Lord, you know. You know. And he does. He knows where we are. He knows what we lack. And he knows where he wants to take us. And he, he wants to bring you personally. This is amazing, amazing. He wants to bring you into the marriage with him. But remember something, and I'll stop with this. You can write this down, that you've heard it. Jesus will not marry flesh. He will not. He's going to marry a bride who's holy, without blemish, without spot, or any such thing. He's not going to marry flesh. So what does that say to me? That says to me that this fleshly life must go. If I want to be in this romance with the Lord, this fleshly life must, must be. And I, I believe for all of us, that should be the prayer of our hearts.